Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All of the noise on the field is coming from those in red. Musiala to Sane, who uses his pace. And Sane makes it too. Speed and style. Hello, everyone. Welcome to La Liga Lowdown. Yes, it was a bit of a painful night for the Spanish sides in the Champions League on Tuesday. That was, of course, Bayern going 2-0 up against Barcelona. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Barlow. He was also pretty frustrated with that performance and result. Rory, what was your take on, on the Barca game with Bayern? Yeah, well, I, get, I was sort of pleased to know that I was on the same wavelength as Xavi Hernandez because I, I have to say, from a purely fan perspective, I was off at Barcelona for losing that match because they had no business doing so um, and they only had themselves to blame. And that was kind of a similar tone that Xavi took, and if you if looking at it from a more kind of analytical point of view, Barcelona, yeah, they did play well, and they did sort of uh, dominates too strong a word, but they caused Bayern a lot of problems certainly in the first half, um, and then in the second half after they conceded that kind of double salvo very quickly, I think you look at those goals especially. Xavi was very annoyed that no tactical foul was made to stop that kind of break through the defence. The other one to set piece Marcos Alonso. You can't do that on your first start. You cannot sort of lose your man at a corner. It's just the very sort of basic stuff. And after that, Barcelona, even though they came forwards, it kind of looked as if they, they never really had the belief that they were going to score at that point, having missed the chances, having conceded the goals. And it is those margins. That's where the Champions League, make, where it kind of makes a difference in Europe. And uh, they only need to look at Real Madrid to, to know how it's done. Yeah, indeed. They're playing on Wednesday night, of course, also against the German side. But the other half of Madrid lost in Germany, like Barcelona, going down 2-0 against Bayer Leverkusen. A bit of a disappointing result there because Leverkusen haven't had the greatest of starts in the Bundesliga, sitting penultimate in the German top flight. And Atleti, of course, coming off the back of a 4-1 win over Celta. So a bit of a, a, a jarring one there for Simeone's boys. Um, they'll have to come back in match day three after the international break. But we're here to preview La Liga, and that is what we're about to do then. It's match day six. It's the final round before the international break, and there is some pretty tasty fixtures to get stuck into. Um, first of all, it is the derby Madrileño. It's Atleti hosting Real Madrid. Some defensive questions for, for Cholo. The, the Griezmann theme is still, still up in the air. Real Madrid just continuing their serene progress. Five from five so far. How do you see this one, Rory? Yeah, I think Atleti, there's far more question marks over them than there are kind of solutions that, that Cholo has come to so far this season. 
He started that game against Leverkusen with Reynildo and Mario Hermoso in the team, which normally you have one of them playing as the kind of left side of that trio in defence. Yeah, I think the worrying thing for me is that I look at Atleti and I remember the Madrid derby from last season at the Wanda, well, now Civitas, at the Metropolitano. And Real Madrid were resting players for the Champions League, but they didn't have Benzema then and they won't probably won't have Benzema now. They might make it for the derby, but I think if I was Carlo Ancelotti, I'd be tempted to keep him on the bench and see what damage Los Blancos can do without him because Real Madrid's, again, as you say, they're in that such a serene moment that it seems like all adversity that comes at them, they have the, the nous and they have the quality to make their way through somehow. And against Mallorca, I think they showed a few sort of weaknesses. I think they showed that unless they move the ball very quickly and let's uh, not beat about the bush. They had Danny Ceballos in, who was very good, but he's not Luka Modric. And uh, and yeah, I think they showed some, not frailties, but they showed some issues there without Karim Benzema. But I look at the Atletico Madrid team and I see more problems. And I think their best sort of hope of getting something out of this, not necessarily even that, of winning the game, is taking that kind of attitude that they took into the Champions League last season. Manchester United game where they kind of they really sort of recalled the Atleti of old and I think without the pressure on them Atleti are almost better right now as it stands all of their games so far they've been kind of favourites to win and it's it's not suited them they've really struggled with that pressure and with kind of the the onus on them to create chances and so yeah he did admit as well again we play better with Griezmann on the pitch but He's only available for a third of the match. Yeah, it's one of those things that until it's resolved, it's it's going to keep coming up and the questions will keep coming. He's far too good a player to only be a bench warmer and to only come in in, in the final half an hour, by which point, of course, the game could already be beyond Atleti uh, in a worst-case scenario for, for them. Interestingly, no away win in this fixture since 2019. There's been um, six meetings, three Real Madrid wins uh, at their home and, of course... Uh, two draws and that Letty win at the Metropolitano. So it is kind of rare for the away side to come in this one and win. Um, do you think Real Madrid will have, without Benzema, I, think, I mean, there's talk that Eden Hazard might not even start this one. It might be a kind of Fede Valverde, Rodrigo, Vinicius front three. How, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think it was interesting today that, I mean, we're speaking ahead of the RB Leipzig game and both for three or four of the main papers were all predicting Rodrigo, Valverde and Vinicius to start instead of Hazard, which I think generally, I mean, you always take them with a pinch of salt, these predicted lineups kind of thing, because because managers can surprise you. But the fact that they're all agreeing, the fact that there's such conformity generally suggests that there's some sort of information coming out of the camp. And so I have to say, looking at what Hazard did against Real Mallorca, He's probably better suited to the RB Leipzig game than he is to the Atleti game because Mallorca was a packed defence. They really squeezed him for space. They had a midfielder on top of him as soon as he got the ball, one in sort of a central defender in behind him and a midfielder in front of him. Mallorca played three at the back or five at the back against Real Madrid. Atleti will probably do the same. And so I think I would probably be tempted to start Rodrigo, who so far at least has shown more capacity to deal and deal with kind of those reduced spaces to move the ball quickly and to get in the box and score goals. I think Real Madrid's attacker is obviously quite 
Um, it suffers a lot for the absence of Benzema, but when you've got Vinicius in this kind of form and you've got the rest of the team in such belief, you look at that Valverde run, I think if the team's in bad form and there's they're kind of low on confidence, there's no way that Valverde sort of scores that goal. But the way they are just now, you cannot bet against them. Yeah, it's, it's like you said with Roman on the Match Day 5 recap. Mallorca would have been pretty happy with their performance at the Bernabeu and they still came away with a 4-1 defeat. So that's the kind of ominous form that Real Madrid are holding at the moment. And of course, it's a pivotal game really for, for the title race because it's it's very early on. But an Atleti win would put them within two points of Real Madrid. But of course, if Los Blancos were to take all three points back to the Bernabeu, there'd be eight points between them and their close city rivals. So already you'd, you'd almost argue that a defeat here would leave Atleti pretty much out of it. Yeah, I think they'd Atleti have a tough job to keep pace with Real Madrid and Barcelona this season anyway. But yeah, if they suffer defeat here, I think as much as anything, the the momentum and the morale that um the blow that this would sort of do to that would be be almost fatal in terms of their title race hopes because Atleti, as much as they like to be underdogs, they like to be sort of working in the shadows while sort of the, the big boys take the spotlight and sort of creeping up. They're not a team that's necessarily at this point, certainly on recent years' evidence, they're not a team that can go on a run of 10, 15 games winning 13 or 14 of them. So I think, yeah, if they do sort of stretch behind Real Madrid and Barcelona, Atleti might be done in terms of the title race, but... As you and McTeer points out every year, they have about half the budget. So mm. yeah, we we can expect them to finish third. And given the amount of investment that Barcelona have made this season, third place is is par for the course for Diego Simeone. So yeah, let's not beat up too much on him. But equally so, you'd be expecting a little bit more of them at the start of this season. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fascinating game as always. And, and this time, no Casemiro. So it'll be interesting to see who the pantomime villain is on this particular occasion. So that's Sunday night, and it's also live on ITV4 in the UK, free to air. So if you're if you're in the UK, do check that one out on Sunday night. Let's go back then to the start of the match day, and it's Real Valladolid against Cadiz on Friday night. The team who concedes late goals against a team who doesn't score. So how do, how's this one going to go? I mean, Sergio under massive pressure. Cadiz officially the worst start of any side in La Liga history after five games. Zero points, zero goals, 14 conceded. It's It's... It's pretty bleak, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is actually the most consequential game of the weekend. I think this could be, it could have real consequences. If Sergio loses this game, six games is very early to sack your manager. But Michel went after seven games last year. Cadiz are in worse form. I mean, you pointed out that Manuel Biscaino, who's the Cadiz president, admitted that he'd made mistakes in the transfer market. But if they, if they fall to another defeat here, the temptation will be because you've only got two chances kind of before the middle of the season you've got this one and you've got before the world cup to sack your manager and have a break allow them to get in train a little bit with the players and implement their systems so you've got two opportunities and if Sergio does lose this match then I think he could be under real pressure I think it's somewhat unfair but looking at them they are uh, concerning to say the least it's it's been a severe beating they've taken in these kind of opening matches and from Real Valladolid's point of view I think as well Pacheta's job safety is not endangered at all but this is a key game if you look at this on paper they'll be circling this and thinking we need three points from this if we want to stay up and 
Pacheta I like in the sense that he sets his teams up to be solid, but he's ambitious too. He likes his players to sort of be brave and take on sort of the opposition. Sometimes that comes off, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and this is really a game where it does need to come off and Sean Weissman, all the attention will be on him because he is the key man and whether he can do it in the first division is going to be sort of um, defining for them in terms of their season. Absolutely, yes. We'll see if Brufella can get three points at home in front of their fans. On to Saturday's matches then. Um, we have quite a few here to, to look forward to. Uh, first one is Mallorca Almeria. Um, Almeria struggling for goals since the departure of Umar Sadiq. Um, and Mallorca looking pretty strong in general. Uh, as we say, an impressive performance at the Bernabeu for, for large parts. Is home strength going to be too much here? Yeah, potentially. I think Mallorca have actually been better away from home so far this season than they have been at home, which is very unusual for them uh, because because generally it tends to be the other way around. But Mallorca... I think, I think at home they have that, again, that kind of onus to come forward a little bit more in the same way that maybe Athletic Club benefit from sort of being away from home. There's no pressure from the fans and they can kind of play their own game. They can play a counter-attacking game without sort of too much, um, yeah, without the fans kind of getting frustrated, without them getting restless and, and on their back against Almeria. That's the side that you expect them to take the game to. That's the side that you expect them to try and win against. And so... I think this could be a really tight game. Almeria, they're still, they really look like they're struggling without Umar Sadiq. And I think it was Bilal came in from from Ligue 1 to sort of substitute him. But so far, we've we've not really seen him. And and yeah, you they do need sort of that central striker because without him, they just kind of look a bit listless. You watch the game against Valladolid, which was Friday night a couple of weeks ago, and. That that I think that will be kind of a similar game, but Mallorca have more punch up front. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Almeria deal with this. But um, but yeah, Mallorca probably have to be slight favourites given the form of Kanjin Lee and Vedat Mariki in particular, who are one of the most entertaining duos so far. Mm, mm. And uh, perhaps under the radar. Uh, two more matches on Saturday. Uh, sorry, three to to get through before we take a quick break. We've got Barca Elche. Obviously, we've already touched on Barca. Um, will they be taking out their finishing frustration against an Elche defence, which looks pretty amenable? Yeah, probably. Uh, it has to be said. They did still create a lot of chances against Bayern, and you just kind of have to expect them to finish those off against Elche, who, yeah, I mean, Enzo Rocco has been dreadful at the start of the season. He seems to be reta- retaining a starting spot. The ball hit him in the face for Alex Berenguer's recent goal, as I kind of pointed out, and he's just... I think Elche, Francisco threw his arms up in the air and kind of rolled his eyes at one of the athletic club goals last weekend. And that kind of sums it up. And looking for a reaction at Camp Nou against Barcelona, that's a tough ask as it is on sort of any given day. And and this one, again, I talk about consequences for Sergio. Francisco could be in big trouble unless Elche put in a, a remarkable performance. I think, I wonder if Christian Bogarnik, who who has been trigger happy in the past might be hoping that they lose this game just to give them an excuse. Mm, mm, very good point there, very good point. On to Mestalla and a really attractive looking game here, Valencia against Delta. Edison Cavani could make his debut, uh, long-awaited debut so far. Which Valencia is going to turn up? Is it going to be the one that swatted Hitafe aside 5-1 or the one that turned up to Vallecas and were defeated quite quite easily by Raya? 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think um, Gattuso against or Rayo against Valencia sort of last weekend. That was the fear that most of us had for Valencia. So we've seen the good and the bad of of Gennaro Gattuso's kind of system. At home, I think it makes a difference that Mestalla that they have the crowd to kind of keep on geeing them up and. They were, to a certain extent, a little bit unfortunate against Rayo. It was two set-piece goals. Gennaro Gattuso did take a lot of responsibility for that defeat as well, which I think is a, a good sign. I think it's just a, a common manager trope to do, but it, it shows a lot of maturity. And, uh, yeah, Valencia, I think I'd give them a decent shot. They are kind of missing that goal-scoring touch. And the key for them, obviously, just has to be shutting down Iago Aspas because I think... If you go 1-0 down against Celta and you're not one of the bigger teams who are kind of able to sort of really um, impose yourself on the game, then you leave a lot of space for, for Aspas and the likes of Strand Larsen to, to hit you on the break and, and that can be pretty dangerous. Mm. Yeah, really can't really, can't call this one at all. I think it's going to be one of the most unpredictable matches to watch this weekend. Saturday evening then at San Mamés, under the lights, Athletic Club taking on the aforementioned Rayo. Obviously a special game for Andoni Iraola returning to his home. But uh, Rayo, it's been off the pitch that's making the headlines this week with the <laughs> president uh, being headbutted, uh, Rado Tomas signing. Of course, he can't play until January, but that is all the Rayo Twitter account has been uh, putting out. Rado Tomas memories from before, Rado Tomas pictures. They're, they're really quite pleased they've signed him. Yeah, if I know Andoni Iraola, I don't think he will have enjoyed this week at all. I think he much prefers the quiet life in terms of uh, management, which is a bit of an oxymoron in itself. But but yeah, I think uh, the Raul de Tomas noise will be a bit, a bit of a distraction for Rayo. They did beat Athletic Club this time last season. It was Radamel Falcao goal late on. This time round, I think Athletic are better. I think they look more free-flowing and again they'll have that pressure of the home fans to try and beat a team that perhaps I think we could see sort of a similar route to the one that we saw against Camp Nou again at Barcelona we saw their lack of finishing being an issue I wonder if that could be a problem here as well because I don't think they'll get chances quite as easily as they did against Valencia last weekend and uh, yeah for Athletic it's all about Nico Williams, Alex Berenguer Sunset. It's all about making sure they continue to form, continue confident in front of goal, and that essentially is the key to them winning this match. Mm. It's interesting. We we mentioned uh, I think last week. Tom Harris was pointing out that Atletico are kind of free scoring away from home. They've scored four in each of their last two away matches, but at San Mamés they've only scored the one goal, and they really struggled to to find the back of that net. So if, if they can be clinical at home, that that's going to be a real fortress for them this season. Well, that's all we have time for in, in part one, but join us in part two where we'll reflect on the rest of Sunday's matches and we'll have a little look ahead to potentially a few surprises in Luis Enrique's Spain squad. So don't go away. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Match Day 6 preview podcast. We've already dealt with the big game of the weekend, the Madrid derby on Sunday night. But there are four more games on Sunday which are all, in their own right, equally intriguing. It starts off with Osasuna Hitafe, uh, Rory. Euro Rojillos, they, they moved up to fourth on Monday night with their win. And they're taking on a Hitafe side who, as Paco said, rejuvenated their backside with a win over El Sociedad. So is this going to be... Uh, another home win for Osasuna who've started so well at El Sadar or are Hatafe going to be showing their improvement and, and they'll be continuing with that? Well, I think this is, I remember this kind of game towards the end of last season. I think it finished 0-0 or perhaps even 1-1. But Osasuna, Hatafe are the exact opposite of the side that Osasuna want to play in the fact that Hatafe will draw Osasuna onto them and will try and hit them on the break themselves. Osasuna like a lot of space to play in. And when they struggle most, it's when they've got a packed defence in front of them. So from a tactical point of view, I think this will be a tight game. I can't see there being masses of goals in it unless Hitafe go down very early. It's an interesting game in the sense that, yeah, as you say, um, Kike Sanchez-Flores is wants to be sitting more comfortably than he is currently. And if he gets a result, I think even a draw is enough here for Hitafe for them to be like, this is progress. We are moving forward and starting to get back on track because those first kind of four or five games, some of them were really concerning in terms of defensively, which is not something we've been able to say about Hitafe for some time, for, for five, six years, really. In terms of Osasuna, they win this game and then, you, yeah, you can start making an argument for them for seventh place, maybe, if they sort of sustain their form because they won't have the extra competitions that a lot of the teams ahead of them will. But, but yeah, Osasuna, this is the sort of game that they're very capable of drawing and it's the sort of game that if you are going to challenge for Europe then you need to be taking all three points. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see them because they've been very impressive so far, it has to be said, and Chimi Avila is in fine form. He is indeed, and with the likes of Ez Abde impressing on his first game, um, Aymar Roth too, it's, there's a lot to be excited about El Sadar. And we've said many times that Hitafe is away form under Kika Sanchez-Flores in, in both spells has been largely atrocious. So 
We'll see. We'll see. It's true. We will Largely see. atrocious. Largely, yes. We'll see which Hitafe turns up there. The the one that got hammered in Mestaya or the one that beat Rosalidad 2-1 last week. Um, on to the mid-afternoon game, and it's a real cracker. Villarreal against Sevilla. Of course, we are recording this before both of those play in Europe in midweek. Um, Sevilla in Copenhagen, Villarreal in Israel. So we'll see what happens there. But... Sevilla fans weren't happy, of course, with Emery's Villarreal losing to Betis last weekend. If Villarreal can get the win here, they'll be even more discontent, won't they? Definitely. I think I was trying to look at this game and there's really no comparison between these teams, two teams right now. Unai Emery's Villarreal are better, but those question marks about whether they can take their chances and whether they can sort of put away games that they need to to make fourth place still remain. I think the Betis game was a very sort of dramatic illustration of that and Gerard Moreno's gone down with an injury. Manu Trigueros is out for three weeks as well. So those two will be big misses. I look at Sevilla, the way that they performed against Espanyol, okay, it was better. But that wasn't saying much. And Espanyol had themselves to blame for a lot of those goals. Eric Lamella in the first minute, that was just really shoddy defending. And then you had um, had Leandro Cabrera essentially assisting um, Carmona for his second goal. So a lot of those, a lot of the improvement that we saw from Sevilla was in more sort of the fight and the mental side of things. But they were very close to crumbling as well, as Yulen Lopetegui then pointed out after the game. And so... How much development have we seen? Copenhagen will give us sort of a, a bit of a clue um, later on. But but yeah, if I look at these two teams, even without Gerard Moreno, there's just not really a comparison between their their form at the start of the season. And Unai Emery has to be looking at this again in a similar way to Osasuna are looking at it for their European challenge. Villarreal have to look at this for their Champions League challenge and be like, this has to be three points right now, given where Sevilla are. Yeah, it's... It's, it's early days, but these matches already mean plenty, don't they? And that will continue in Seville in the evening. It's Betis looking to keep the pressure on the top two, taking on Girona, who have had a decent start, some impressive results there. They, they fought, they've they got some late fight in them, scoring some late goals. But I think this one, again, should be a Betis home win if they want to maintain their top four challenge. It should be, and all signs point to the fact that it will be. However, we, d- we are seeing Betis off the back of Europa League. We're seeing them without Fekir, without Juanmi. I think Victor Ruiz is still missing. And uh, those injuries are starting to mount up. And uh, when you have to play every sort of three, four days, that does make a difference. This is one of the games I'm actually looking forward to most this uh, weekend, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> tiki smikis, that that's me but yeah I think this could be pretty entertaining because Michel Sanchez I like his style of football certainly from a neutral point of view it's fairly open Pellegrini we know what his kind of style of football is and so I think it should be two teams trying to win this game Girona they lack a little bit of punteria they lack that little bit of goal without Stuani um, but Tati Castellanos will be trying to prove kind of his worth and the fact that he's worth a starting spot there so so yeah, I think it could be a pretty entertaining game at the at Benito Marine and uh, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Mm, well, the appetizer before the Madrid derby is Real Sociedad taking on Espanyol, two clubs who have lost their main forwards this week under very different circumstances. Of course, um, Umar Sadiq with that injury, uh, keeping him out long term, while uh, Espanyol, of course, have sold Rado Tomas for a cut price fee to Rayo. Real Sociedad also in action in Europe on Thursday, so we obviously don't know quite how they've got on there. 
following their fantastic win over Manchester United in the first week. Uh, but they'll be coming off the back of a defeat at the Coliseum last week, so they'll want a reaction here, won't they? Yeah, and we should sort of preface this with the fact that home La Real are very different to away La Real. And as much as they have... On the one hand, Umar Sadiq's a massive loss. But on the flip side, Alexander Strolot was actually probably one of their better players against Manchester United. He looked pretty good. And it will be a chance for John Karikaburu to try to re- real stake his claim for a place in this Real Sociedad side. Almost, I'm tempted to say, because you do want a replacement for Isak and the fact that they're playing so regularly means that they probably do want another forward. But they've not had that much of Sadiq, so they're not going to miss him too much. It's more Alexander Isak's impact that they're going to miss, I think. But also Isak was hit and miss last season as well so I think if you're Imanol Aguathil you're probably trying to look at this and compute it in your mind and say well okay we're missing sort of the star forward that we wanted but we haven't had that star forward for some time and we've coped and against Espanyol a side that are still making mistakes that finally have uh, rid themselves of the Raul de Tomas issue this week they're still sort of an unknown and away from home Again, we know their away form last season was dreadful. So, so yeah, I think if you're Larry Al, you have to be looking at this pretty optimistically, in my view. Yes, I think I'd agree with that. Although, of course, Espanyol did get the win in the Basque Country just a couple of weeks ago at San Mamés. So if they can kind of replicate that frustration job and then a bit of a smash and grab at the end, they could also frustrate Imanol, just like they frustrated Ernesto Valverde. Well, there we go. That's all the matches previewed for you. It should be yet another fascinating weekend in La Liga. We'll be back with the review podcast on uh, Monday morning. But, uh, of course, there are five games on Sunday because it's the international break straight after. So now let's turn our attention to that. Spain finishing off their Nations League campaign with a home game against Switzerland before travelling to Portugal. These are the final two matches before the World Cup kicks off. So, Rory... Who do you think has you know, made the best claim to be in the squad? We, we've got a lot of forwards out. We've got uh, Oyatabal out. Gerard Moreno will miss this. Juanmi, who potentially could have got a shot. Will Borca force his way in? Or will the best striker in Spain, Yago Aspas, finally be recognised? Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a double-edged question, isn't it? Between <laughs> La Lista Negra de Luis Enrique, the sort of blacklist of players who perform very well in Spain, season in, season out, but never get a look in, and sort of the new up-and-coming players who are starting to stake a claim. Borja Iglesias, um, fortunately for him, is in that kind of second list of players who haven't really had a shot but haven't been vetoed as the likes of Aspas, the likes of Dani Parejo, Sergio Canales seems to get very rarely get a look in despite the fact that he's been one of the best midfielders in Spain for two, three, four years. So so yeah, I think that kind of first group of, of Canales and Parejo, ETC, it's hard to see them getting a look in this late into the World Cup because, well, what more could they have done? They've already shown that they have the credentials to play for Luis Enrique and he's decided that they're not for him. It's his choice and so far... As much as I, I would have them in my squads, you can't really question the work that he's done with Spain so far. So there's that list. And then there's the Borja Iglesias. My pick would be Alex Moreno, who I thought was absolutely outstanding against Villarreal last weekend. Um, that would be the one player that I'd like to see in. But as you were kind of prefacing before, chances of him kind of really shaking it up 
in his last chance to to pick a team before the World Cup are, are a bit slim, aren't they, Matt? Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Because you think at this stage, you just want the kind of tried and trusted, the ones that you know you're going to take to Qatar and, and kind of, you know, go to war with, if you like. And, and Lucho will probably have a, a pretty strong idea of who those players are. The problem is a lot of those players have not been in form or have not been fit. I mean, the likes of Laporte only just started training with Manchester City. Thiago has been in squads, but he's only just come back from injury too in, in, in terms of the Premier League. Rodrigo's out. Um, and at left back as well, big problems because, I mean, Gaia has been suspended, so he's had very little football this season. Jordi Alba is seemingly out in the cold now at Barcelona. Of course, Marcus Alonso has came in, so he might even be the, the Spain's, uh, Spain's first choice left back the way it's going. But... Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see because Lucho always seems to spring a surprise or two. Uh, and we were joking kind of that that one might be Ferran <laughs> Judla. <laughs> He's been in sparkling form for, for Club Bruges, but um, I'm not sure if, if that's going to quite uh, be, be happening. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise you, would it, really? No, if there's one thing that Luis Enrique likes to do, it is um, uh, annoy uh, choosing the nicest word there annoy the Spanish media with his selections and uh, and yeah it would be quite entertaining to see um, Spanish football Twitter lose their minds over Ferran Jodgla and also to an extent I think Marcos Alonso and Jordi Alba getting in ahead of Javi Galan and Alex Moreno deserve that kind of treatment too yes yes I'm sure Friday morning will be nice and serene on football Twitter there won't be any kind of antagonism there at all so we'll look forward uh, to and that and no anti-Madridista bias at all uh, not at all not at all um, well that's that's taking place on Friday um, and of course then we'll have the final round of matches uh, before the international break and of course typically quite often you get a player picked and then they go and get injured on the weekend before they're actually taking up their spot so hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully everyone stays fit and fresh for the international break um, that, that leaves me just to say thank you very much for your time, Rory. It's been a fascinating look ahead to match day six. It should be phenomenal. Some really intriguing games there, managers with lives on the line, teams looking to push forward, and of course the Madrid derby on Sunday night, which should be absolutely cracking. So enjoy the games, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon. 